You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze the various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, distributed ledger technologies and cryptocurrencies. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about a protocol that became a buzzing topic in the crypto community in the past few months and that is the Mimblewimble protocol. Mimblewimble is an interesting new protocol that looks to solve some of the shortcomings of Bitcoin by improving upon two key aspects of Bitcoin that being scalability and privacy. Mimblewimble uses an innovative new technology to cut through transactions making the blockchain much smaller thereby helping with scalability. and it also implements what is known as confidential transactions helping with greater anonymity and privacy in this episode we're going to be looking at why mimblewimble became a topic of interest in the bitcoin community what makes it different from other technologies how it works and its pros and cons so with that nikhil would you like to start off with an intro into how mimblewimble came into being and what made it a topic of such interest Sure. So this is again one of those classic stories, you know, that uh, seem to be happening a lot in the cryptocurrency space. So uh, Mimblewimble uh, actually is a it's a it's a it's a reference to a, a J.K. Rowling, uh, the Harry Potter series. And apparently, I'm not a I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but uh, I read up that uh, it is a uh, it is a, a particular curse that is uh, uh, used to uh, you know prevent people from speaking the truth or pre- tying their tongues so they become tongue tied at the when when they become uh, when they are subject to this curse so that's basically what mimblewimble is the paper itself actually appeared in an interesting manner it uh, appeared in the uh, you know internet relay chat the irc chat for uh, bitcoin and develop developers so they were uh, uh, it 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 was uh, uh, there was one new user that came to that uh, chat uh, and uh, it the, the, he basically did not uh, do anything other than uh, provide a link uh, to this uh, paper the link itself was on a on a tor site okay it was on a dark web onion uh, router site and uh, the the he had come in with the username of tom elvis jedusor which apparently is again uh, a harry potter reference to the uh, uh, name of the main villain who's known as voldemort uh, and uh, that this tom elvis jedusor is the french uh, it's it's actually an anagram of jelui uh, jesui uh, uh, voldemort apparently or something like that uh uh the uh so the 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 paper basically uh, came they he printed a link for the paper and then immediately kind of disappeared and uh, but uh, the paper was picked up by uh, cryptographers researchers in the bitcoin uh, dev uh, chat and uh, you know they looked at it and uh, they got excited about it and they thought they felt that it had a lot of uh, Uh, you know uh, it had a lot of promise so uh, that's how the mimble wimble protocol paper actually came out that paper itself was uh, uh, kind of heavy uh, on the 
it's a, it's a it's a little difficult to read uh, but uh, you know uh, a guy called andrew polstra uh, he actually uh, took up the challenge and kind of broke it down and uh, uh, and, and and gave, gave a chat in the conference in uh, the bitcoin conference in milan and uh, that's basically where mimblewimble started getting you know a little traction uh, so so that's that's basically how the protocol came about another interesting thing so uh, uh, the implementation of the protocol uh, the first implementation kind of like a proof of concept reference not even a reference it's a proof of concept into implementation also appeared in a very interesting manner uh, it uh, it came up in the uh, in github as a link uh, uh, by uh, again there is this uh, uh, harry potter reference to it uh, the uh, another you know, u- user by the pseudonym ignotus peveral uh, who apparently was the uh, creator of the invisibility cloak that harry potter uses uh, he uh, created this project on github uh, called grin Uh, which apparently again is another reference to the bank uh, that is used in the Harry Potter universe, one of the banks in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, that uh, uh, that particular project uh, was released, uh, and uh, they it is a volunteer project. It's an interesting project. There is no uh, backing, financial backing per se. Uh, works of uh, volunteer efforts from the community. they released their mainnet on jan 15th uh, of this year and uh, simultaneously there's been another implementation called beam uh, which is taken obviously they went the vc route and they they've got corporate sponsors and things like that and they've also released their uh, uh, mainnet uh, recently so we'll talk about grin and beam a little bit uh, in uh, later but uh, essentially this is the uh, background of uh, mimble wimble uh, you know the uh, st- whole story so to speak mm-hmm. can you also give a little bit of intro into you know what the current situation with bitcoin and bitcoin like protocols is and you know like when when we talk about scalability and privacy as uh, you know so it, it's coming out with some novel solution for it Uh, right give us like uh, uh, just a brief intro into you know the scalability and privacy as it stands today right so uh, so bitcoin if you look at it um, is has never claimed to be a, a privacy protecting uh, protocol see it uh, it is very uh, in fact actually if you read satoshi's paper the section entitled privacy they he is also very practical about uh, what their limitations are and uh, the idea the only thing that actually is kind of private uh, or or uh, pseudonym uh, i mean anonymous is the uh, fact that okay the addresses in bitcoin are uh kind of essentially like public keys they are random numbers rather than tied to any particular real name or id but the main problem with bitcoin uh, essentially is that it has uh, for every transaction the uh, sender's address the uh, is public the receiver's address is public and the amount of coins that are sent is public right 
and the reason why uh, it does this is because it has to fulfill the requirement right it, it it has to fulfill two requirements one is that it has to as a network bitcoin has to verify that the amount received is equal to the amount sent so the transaction right. basically needs to be able to, um, uh, you know balance out to to zero you're not actually creating any money right um, then uh, and i also need to they also need to verify that okay the transaction is being signed and it is it is it, the, there is a signature on the transaction on on that public key and that signature needs to be verified to make sure that okay it is the owner of the uh, the the sender is the actual owner of that uh, account and uh, it is an authorized transaction that is the person who is uh, sending creating the transaction is uh, the uh, actual owner of the uh, address right so that that again requires so in bitcoin the way they do that is with a, a, a signature of the uh, of the transaction using the uh, you know uh, public key of the uh, of the sender and uh, they can check anybody can check whether that signature comes from that private key right so this these are the requirements these these requirements need to be fulfilled right and it is in order to require to fulfill these requirements that bitcoin has kept these pieces of information public so what mimblewimble is proposing is that it actually addresses these requirements without having to make these pieces of information public mm-hmm. and uh, the way right. it does that yeah is is uh, is basically what that protocol is all about uh, so that that kind of addresses the privacy part of it so the other thing about it is interesting part of uh, thing that in mimblewimble does is basically it uh, compresses the uh, uh, the amount of data that needs to be saved so it uh, so mimblewimble has uh, has a way to actually uh, reduce uh, the information required in order for you to uh, validate whether a transaction has ha- has happened and the information required in order to record that transaction in a way that can be validated so this this allows uh, uh, mimblewimble to uh, actually uh, save a significant portion of uh, the uh, uh, extra data uh, that uh, bitcoin normally say, uh, has to has to keep so um, the some estimates basically accord based on the original protocol if you look at it um, some of the estimates is basically almost uh, uh, you know 90% savings on the uh, amount of data that needs to be kept uh, this this is actually pretty significant when you look at uh, uh, the size of the bitcoin network and how it is growing rapidly and uh, you know the amount the challenges that we are facing based on uh, you know the number of uh, as the number of transactions go up so mimblewimble allows you to actually not only it since it's only 10% of the data 
uh, no, not only does it mean that you are saving on the storage, the amount of compute required to go, go through and validate that data is also much less, right? So you can bring your node up much faster and you can generally validate uh, that your uh, ledger is uh, uh, correct uh, much faster than you would if, if you were a Bitcoin uh, node. Great. So since you've given a brief intro into, you know, the scalability and the privacy aspect of Mimblewimble and how it looks to be different from Bitcoin, uh, let's just go into each of those aspects one by one. Uh, so we'll start off with scalability. So Mimblewimble uses something called a cut-through feature in order to improve scalability. Cut-through basically allows for a large part of data from the blocks to be removed, thereby reducing the size of the entire blockchain. In theory, it is able to do so without compromising the security of the blockchain. In other words, without risking a double spend to occur. So Nikhil, can you actually just you know go a little bit deeper into uh, you know, how Mimblewimble handles this and how cut-throughs actually work? Right. So one of the primary, uh, you know, uh, tenets of uh, Mimblewimble's uh, pro, uh, algorithm essentially is the fact that uh, you, uh, you, they, they do not actually look at uh, each individual transaction uh, separately, but they look at the transactions as a whole and see if they balance out, right? So if I have, say, Alice is sending uh, one Bitcoin to Bob, right? And Bob is sending uh, another Bitcoin to Claire, right? Now, in effect, if you look at it, uh, Bob's balance after these two transactions is the same as it was before these two transactions right because it, in effect bob becomes kind of like a middleman right so you could what so what mimble mimble does is basically it actually aggregates these transactions together so assuming that this is all in one block i mean you know bob did this uh, almost immediately uh, then uh, what mimble mimble would do is it would actually remove bob's transaction altogether from the uh, calculation and basically just record the fact that Alice uh, Alice's balance is uh, less by one coin, one Bitcoin, and uh, Claire's balance is higher by one Bitcoin, right? So that that balances out to zero. So uh, so uh, so effect in effect, uh, Bob Bob's transaction doesn't even exist, right? The other thing about it is that uh, uh, so so this is uh, uh, done at a block level, so that's known as a cut through feature. So what actually happens out here is that uh, when you are taking all these transactions together of a block, right, in a block, what uh, Wimble Wimble the protocol attempts to do is, or the algorithm attempts to do is, it creates first a multi-sig that's an aggregate of all the sig signatures. Uh, uh, all the individual transactions, right? Uh, the uh, the uh, the the keys of the individual transactions, and then basically uh, what it does is then it goes and just uh, compresses everything into uh, a single set of inputs and single set of outputs. So you you have basically uh, 
eliminated all the uh, transactions in between that uh, might might be similar to what uh, we described earlier regarding Alice Bob and Claire right so the uh, so in this way basically a lot of the intermediate uh, transactions don't even uh, get recorded but as at the end of the day as long as it all adds to zero um, and balances out um, the uh, what do you call it integrity of the ledger is maintained the global integrity of the ledger is maintained and everybody's balances basically make sense uh, so you just mentioned about uh, mimblewimble having a single input and single output uh, can you just compare this with uh, Bitcoin and like its UTXO model and how this differs with Mimblewimble? Right. So uh, in Mimblewimble, basically, well, that's one of the interesting things is that uh, there is no uh, address against which there is value, right? So uh, in Mimblewimble, basically, both the parties that are trying to transact, right, uh, they have... Uh, exchange they exchange basically a commitment they're known as Pedersen commitments and uh, this is uh, you can think of it as like a it's a very large private key right and uh, what happens over there is uh, in the transaction there is this agreed upon key and there is this offset value that is the blocking hash value and then the amount that needs to be transferred okay so you prove that you own the amount based on your previous Pedersen commitment, uh, the key that you have, right? The previous private key that you have, right? So that that gives you ownership of the pre uh, previous amount. And then basically what you do is you create a new pre private key for the new transaction that you're doing with the other person, exchange that private key with the other person. So it's it's essentially a live transaction. That's that's one of the reasons, one of the limitations of Bimble Bimble will go into a little later, that okay, everybody needs to be online when this happens. Um, so we, we do that exchange and then basically, uh, I basically say, okay, fine, I'm, tr I'm minusing, uh, X from, uh, from my, uh, current balance and you're basically adding Y to your current balance. So suppose my original balance is like five Bitcoin and I want to transfer only two to you. Uh, I, I would, uh, uh create a separate private key, right? Uh, it, it is it is possible to have multiple transactions, but you will not know in, about any of these transactions. They will not be like uh, uh, from an external pers party's perspective. It will look like five transactions plus five and minus five. It is only right. you and the other party that will know that. Okay, fine. I have actually done minus two to you, and then the remaining minus three basically goes to another private key that I have created. Mm -hmm. You you see what I'm saying? So right, and and then uh, and at the end of the transaction, basically all you are getting is a con aggregate. All all the proof is basically is an aggregated uh, key uh, and a zero value, right? So in order to validate this transaction is valid, all we what what the external uh, person or the other other folks in the network, what they are doing is basically saying that oh, okay, uh, when I 
multiply this with the blocking when i multiply this aggregated uh, uh, signature with the blocking key am i getting uh, sorry uh, when i multiply this uh, uh, aggregated uh, value with uh, with the in, in the transaction with the blocking key am i getting a uh, public key that is a a a key that is on that particular you know ecdsa curve right the the multiplying factor so if uh, if i don't have that on the curve if it's not a multiplying factor the transaction is invalid because the uh, amount is not adding up to zero the amount does not add up to zero then a small the actual final uh, output of the transaction becomes something different that when when you try to uh, validate it ends ends you end up with a value that is not on the that is not equal to the uh, multiplying factor that was defined for that transaction makes sense great so i think with that we have covered the scalability aspect of uh, mimblewimble uh, now let's quickly move on to the privacy aspect compared to bitcoin so in order to enhance privacy mimblewimble uses what are known as confidential transactions in short confidential transactions work by encrypting the inputs and outputs of a transaction along with the sender and receiver's public and private keys this creates what is known as a blinding factor and by using the blinding factor the sender and the receiver are able to transact between each other without the need for addresses and this is how privacy is improved so nikhil you i know you touched a little bit on it but uh, can you just like uh, explain a bit in detail how the privacy aspect is handled sure so so basically this is where the crux of uh, the uh, mimblewimble protocol comes in right so the idea here is um, it's based on this idea that okay uh when you have the factors of a particular large value multiplying them together and getting that value is very easy but if you are given a large value it is difficult to find the precise set of factors that actually multiply to that value correct this is a property of uh, uh, the, what i just spoke earlier is essentially the property around basic property around ecds elliptic curve Uh, uh signatures right and uh, the electrical signature uh, algorithm and uh, the uh, the uh, the points basically on this curve right are the blinding factors that you're talking about right so what what is actually happening over here is uh suppose there are alice and bob right alice and bob are online right alice wants to give some money to bob and uh, she basically uh, proposes a particular uh, what do you call it uh, uh, factor on this particular curve along mm-hmm. around which and and then uh, which would be multiplied with that particular amount right and mm-hmm. then she adds another private her private key and uh, this say, uh, multiplies that with the same factor and then puts this together right. into one that forms one part of the transaction and bob does the mm-hmm. same right so mm-hmm. he uh, takes the uh, amount that is going to be transferred to him right mm-hmm. uh, picks a picks the same blinding factor creates adds his own private key to it and multiplies that with the blinding factor so you actually have 
so you will have uh, Alice amount, Alice's amount into the blinding factor, mm-hmm. plus Bob's amount into the uh, uh, blinding factor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one plus Alice's private key into the blinding factor plus Bob's private key into the blinding factor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what happens here is Alice's amount into the blinding factor plus Bob's amount into the blinding factor should actually add up to zero. Okay. Okay. Now, if that is true, right, what remains basically is Alice's private key into the blinding factor plus Bob's uh, private key into the blinding factor right now what they do is that they actually uh, create a, uh, a public key out of this uh, their two private keys it's a multi-signature public key right and they publish that along with the transaction right so in order to validate the transaction right uh, all the person has to do is basically see if that transaction when when they take that multiple signature uh, key uh, and and uh, uh, fa- uh, multiply it uh, with the uh, po- uh, uh, sorry divide it with the output of the transaction the uh, what remains essentially is a point on that ECDSA curve that is the blinding mm-hmm. factor right right so if that blinding factor is a point on the DCDSA curve they know that okay this is a valid transaction mm-hmm. okay so here what has happened is that uh, see the 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 cool part about this is all i am doing over here is i don't know actually how many uh, transactions are there right i have talked about alice and bob it could be alice bob right. and claire it could be alice bob claire and dave right Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them basically might be having values over there right sure. but at the end of the day all i am getting is one uh, the from the external perspective all i am getting is one multisig key and all i am getting to know is that okay when i multiply when i divide this multiple uh, uh, key i am getting one point on that curve right neither of those pieces of information tell me either about the amount or the number of transactions or who who these people are right and that's the beauty of it right so that that may keeps it private completely private but at the same time i am able to validate the fact that i am able to validate is that okay it is part of that particular curve the blinding factor is known and uh, the uh, if that uh, if that if those transactions did not add up to zero right you would not get a point on that curve right because if if they do not add up to zero then uh, going back to Alice and Bob example Alice's amount uh, into blinding factor plus Bob's amount into blinding factor if it does not add up to zero it would then be some other value so you are adding that up to uh, Alice's private key into blinding factor plus Bob's private key into blinding factor also right so the intent is at the, at the end of the day this this should equal to the combi- combination of alice's and bob's private key into the blinding factor that will not happen if if alice and bob's uh, amounts don't add up to zero if they don't add up to zero then that 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 value would not become the combination of alice and bob's private key plus into the pri- uh, into the blinding factor Right, so that that is the uh, 
uh, that is the what do you call it hypothesis on which uh, we validate the transaction now there is a challenge or rather one one interesting thing about this is that <coughs> you could probably have some malicious person come and introduce negative values right since he, since this is all an addition and it is it all we are looking at is that the sum should be zero right there is nothing that actually prevents negative values being introduced into this in such a manner that the sum still remains zero and a negative value being introduced essentially is a violation of the uh, ledger because what you are doing over there is you are introducing you are generating money from thin air right so that is one weakness of this original thing and this is where basically there is one more cryptographic con construct known as range proofs right uh, now range proofs are a little complex actually there's a paper called bullet proofs that you can go into uh, that talks about how range proofs uh, i mean a, a simple range proof that uh, most of the mimble mimble coins seem to be adopting uh, but the crux of it essentially is that the range proof basically uh, provides a proof that each transaction that is there inside that particular uh, uh, group has is falling within a particular range so the range could in in our case basically in mimblewimble's case basically all we want to prove that is that they are all positive values right so the range would be 0 to uh, positive infinity right so that that there would be a series of range proofs basically that would be added to say uh, that that would be provided to prove that these transactions are all positive and if they all balance out to zero right uh, then uh, you have a uh, you have a valid transaction without without compromising the privacy makes sense do you want to quickly you know maybe compare this with uh, you know the privacy mechanism of monero with ring signatures and zero knowledge proof with zcash like the, this sort of a you know blinding factor sure. mechanism yeah so so the main things about mimblewimble that uh, that's interesting and make it make it uh, so interesting for people is that if you look at it it is not a very complex uh, mechanism right um there is it's not a very there's not that much heavy trend uh, cryptography in it now let's take zcash right zcash basically uh, one of the main problems with zk snarks is that it is quite computationally heavy to generate a uh, private transaction using zk snarks in fact it is so computationally heavy and uh, space heavy that zcash itself by default does not enable uh, privacy it is something that you uh, as a as a uh, node you have to enable or you have to basically designate your uh, a particular transaction to be private and then add it to the to the coin right so uh, the vast majority of the coin uh, transactions in zcash are, zcash are not actually private they are they are not using uh, zk snacks or any of the 
zero knowledge uh, ways to make it private and it's only when uh, a small percentage of them that is private so this actually introduces a challenge in the sense that it is still probably possible at a at a macro level to be able to track sudden changes in the value of a person's worth right and then be able to track that statistically somehow that is one challenge another one would be that uh, because it is not privacy by default and most people don't uh, use it uh, because it is so computationally and space wise inefficient uh, uh, zcash as a privacy coin has scalability problems if if they turned on everything to be private by default the size of the uh, ledger as well as the amount of time taken for it would be orders of magnitude higher okay so that's zcash the second one is around uh, monero's uh, idea of ring signatures and uh, pedersen commits commitments monero also uses pedersen commitments uh, but it uses ring signatures uh where basically you have a mixing of six or seven uh, different uh, entities basically there also if you look at it monero uh the amount of uh, overhead required uh to do transactions in monero uh, private transactions in monero is significantly higher than even in bitcoin monero right now basically has a major problem in the sense that Uh, it is if it if it actually scales to bitcoin's uh what do you call it uh, scale uh you are talking about terabytes of uh, multiple ter- terabytes of uh, uh data right being blockchain data blocks in your in your uh, for your ledger and uh, again it's while it's better than uh, zcash in that sense uh it's uh, it's it's still a, a it's still a major challenge okay. great so we have uh, looked at basically the positive aspects you know the scalability and the privacy that mumblemble uh brings in uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the cons you know what could be the disadvantages of, of a protocol like mumblemble right so uh there are some disadvantages of the mumblemble uh, one is basically the the biggest one basically is that uh, the sender and receiver have to be online to construct the transaction and that essentially is a major hurdle uh, if i if i'm not mistaken and and they need to have a secure way to communicate right uh, so mumblemble as a protocol does not provide any mechanism to for the uh, you know sender and receiver to exchange their privacy keys and you know do uh, have the information exchange the information required to create a transaction now i believe beam uses a secure uh, bulletin board service to make sure that see who's online and you know connect and uh, and and exchange the information required uh, but again that's that's separate to the actual original or to the main protocol and this essentially introduces the first kind of a uh, challenge uh, which which mimblemble has uh, has in term when you, when you compare it to other coins like bitcoin and uh, zcash and all where essentially the receiver does not even need to know right uh, bitcoin basically i can send you money uh, 
as long as i know your address you don't need to be online you don't even need to know you just uh, when you check your wallet the next day at some point you will find that okay your wallet has more money in it right so actually like just 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 to add to that so just just out of curiosity with this sort of a model you know where you require both the parties to be online and they need to have some sort of a secure channel of communication between them uh in its present form do you see any such parties like in the world you know that that would find this as a valid application you know where they could transact in this manner oh yeah absolutely so basically if you look at it now assume a perfect world where uh, uh, where uh, mimble mimble has taken over the world and everybody is using it uh you even today this this is what you do with cash right uh, you have to the other person has to be there in order to hand over the cash right so when you go to uh, a shop or you go to a uh, any particular store and you you do a transaction both parties are present over there physically online uh, in in this particular thing they don't need to be present physically but they need to be present at the same time right and uh, essentially this is what i would expect is that okay there would be some sort of out of band mechanism maybe a wallet or maybe uh, like beam is using a, a bulletin board service or something uh, that allows me to exchange the information required right and then uh, once that happens basically put the transaction on on the mimblemble whatever mimblemble currency Uh, chain uh, you want now uh, the practicality of it when you're looking at it in terms of a global currency yeah you have a challenge there because sometimes you know with the time zones and everything people may not be online at the same time but it is still perfectly possible for you to schedule a time and say okay fine uh, be present at this time and we will engage the transaction okay makes sense before we conclude this discussion on mimblewimble let's quickly look into the real world implementation of the technology so nikhil do you want to quickly touch on grin and beam which are the real world implementations as of now of the mimblewimble protocol sure so like i had mentioned earlier um, uh, grin and uh, beam are the two uh, cryptocurrencies that are out there Uh, that uh, that are implementing the mimblewimble protocol both of them actually have now uh, got mainnet implementations uh, and both of them basically have taken slightly uh, have taken quite different approaches so grin essentially i think came first they uh, it was like i told you again another interesting story about how they came, how it came out we uh, ignored to spevral and all that uh but the point basically is grin is written uh, in rust it is uh, uh it is a, it is aimed at the more technically minded there is only a command line interface for the wallet and uh, for the transactions i would classify it more as a kind of like a research or an um, uh, experimentation right now uh i'm not really sure about uh, you know uh how they plan to uh make it commercially viable um right now most of it uh, works through donations and uh, uh volunteering of time uh, by by the cryptographers and uh, developers 
Beam, on the other hand, essentially is uh, is out of Ireland, if I'm not mistaken. It's a company out of Ireland. Uh, they've been uh, they've got support of VCs. Uh, they've they've got money. Uh, I think the idea essentially is that uh, post the mainnet release, which they did recently, uh, they're going to become they're going to change themselves into a non-profit uh, organization and uh, support uh, Beam that way. Uh, I believe their uh, there is no pre-mine for that currency. Uh, it is uh, essentially uh, for the first uh, x x amount of time. I'm not sure exactly how much time, but uh, they have uh, all all the block rewards. Fifty percent of the block rewards basically are uh, going to be used for the uh, development and uh, for the company that is uh, doing the development. Uh, that's essentially how they are planning to. Uh, uh, launch and the roadmap for Beam. Uh, both of both Grin and Beam basically use uh, uh, something known as the EquiHash protocol, which is a variation on the proof of work protocol uh, for consensus. EquiHash, the Grin basically has something. Uh, it's called the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I'm not too sure about the details of it, but uh, both of them uh, claim to be ASIC resistant. So the idea essentially is to prevent uh, or try to at least slow down um, the uh, uh, you know the proof of work race that has happened with Bitcoin and the cent consequent centralization of mining. Uh, but uh, again, it remains to be seen how successful they are on that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where they are. I think uh, uh, on Coin Market Cap they have. Uh, they don't have that much of a, a market cap or a uh, you know valuation but yeah they they continue to work on it and uh, the protocol itself i think is sufficiently interesting and useful that uh, uh, that i think these efforts would be uh, would be there for a while and uh, another uh, thing that i'm seeing is that uh, it'll probably be uh, it's something that probably Monero and the other privacy-minded protocols as well as probably Bitcoin them, it themselves might adopt either directly or as a sidechain or as some kind of script on top level 2 technology. Alright folks, that concludes our podcast. We hope that you found this episode on Mimblewimble useful. Learn more about us on bcdialogues.com Please leave us your feedback and thanks again for joining on this episode of the Blockchain Dialogues Podcast. See you next time.